Good morning. I'm glad to be here this morning and have the opportunity to share with you from God's Word. It is ironic that it is raining this morning, as my entire opening was about how dry it is outside. (laughs) We're singing about thirst, and it's raining. I was going to drink like five drinks of water, try and make you all thirsty. Um, But God is good. We do need the rain. And it has been dry lately. For those that enjoy cutting grass and you see that as a, a moment of rest away from the world, haven't enjoyed much of that the last few weeks as grass has not been growing at all. Those that maybe have lawn care or grass as a, a living or a way of a- making extra money, not a lot of that happening the last few weeks as we watch our gardens and our um, flower beds dry up over how dry it has been especially the last three or four weeks. As the the ground looks so thirsty, uh, my backyard even has some cracks in it because it's just thirsty for for water. And this morning, like I said, I would like to talk to you about thirst. And we're going to look at a chapter, uh, we're going to look at a couple of verses from John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. John 7, 37 through 39 is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. We will move around a little bit from there. That'll be the primary verses. And I'd like to read those. So John 7, 37 through 39 say this. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, From his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit had not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we're dropping in here right in the middle of a whole lot of things going on in these verses. So let me give you a little bit of background information about where we're at. Uh, It says now on the last day, the great day of the feast, this is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths that they're celebrating. It is a week-long celebration uh, that they would celebrate. It's usually right around early October. It is a time for them where they are remembering and celebrating God's provision for the Israelites while they were roaming in the desert. And they were roaming the desert and they were putting up tents or temporary dwellings, which is why it's this Feast of Booths. One of the very interesting things is they celebrated the uh, feast that would happen each day. A priest would lead a procession from the temple down to the Pool of Siloam, and there would gather water into a golden pitcher and lead the group back to the temple. Now, this trip from the temple to the pool was about a mile and a half, and they would travel it as a group with the priest leading them. So if you can kind of envision this of a a, a golden pitcher leaving here and walking out to York Road as a group and then walking to about L.A. Fitness or the Expressway, priest getting a pitcher of water and bringing that back. This is a dry, dusty area. 
Uh, it would be about a 30 or 40 minute walk, especially with a group like that. And then the priest would come back and enter the temple. And as they entered the temple, they would start to sing songs. And he would take that water and he would pour that water into the base of the altar. And as that water was poured out, they would start the temple music. They would recite from a specific group of psalms from 113 to 118. They would be waving leafy branches toward the altar. This ritual pouring out of the water served as a confession of their thirst and an expression of prayer for autumn rains after the long dry season. Now this is the point where if it wasn't raining, I would say, we're right there, we need some autumn rains, right? We've gotten the start of some autumn rains. <clears throat> what I'd like to talk to you about this morning is three different things from this passage. Number one, thirst, which I've already mentioned. Number two, Jesus and him saying, come to me. And three, the spirit of God being living water. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word that we can hear directly from you, Lord, from these pages. We pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to the message that you have for each one of us, for we are all in different places, Lord, and we know that you want to speak directly to each one. I pray that your message would come through this time. Hearts and minds would be touched and drawn closer to you, Lord, because of our time spent. In Christ's name, amen. So the first thing is thirst. It's the first point on the outline. And let's talk about thirst at the feast itself. As I said, the water, the water was being poured out. It was the end of summer. They had just walked along dry, dusty roads. And they were praying for rain. And as you can picture, if you can picture this, this time would come to an end where it would stop. The singing would stop. And it's believed by some that after all of this singing and celebration and praying and the pouring of the water that there was a momentary uh, time where it was completely quiet. And this is possibly when Jesus stood up and it says, he cried out and said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus took this moment where they were talking about rain and their need for, for being satisfied, for the ground and the, to be satisfied, and for the rain to come, and he took it and elevated it to a spiritual plane. Because at this point, he wasn't talking about rain anymore. Jesus took and he kind of flipped the script on them. He used a shared experience that they were going through to teach them something they needed to know. There was something unique about the water the living water that only he could provide. Now the scripture in many places um, talks about water and thirst in a spiritual way and not just in a watering of the ground or the thirst of our human bodies. And I want to look at a few of those. The first one is from Psalm 42. I had to turn around and look at the screen. Uh, Brian asked me if I had any slides, and I said, no, but, you know, if you can find a deer drinking water, that'd be great. <laughs> great job, Brian. 
And that was about an hour ago. No, I'm just kidding. It was actually yesterday, but that's still not a whole lot of notice, but great job. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 4 say this. As the deer pants for water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. So the beginning of that, a deer panting for the brook is like our soul should be panting for God. Our soul, my soul, the psalmist says, thirsts for God, for the living God. Also in Psalm 63, David says, Psalm 63, 1, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, David said. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. As David moves back and forth between an example of actual water, but his soul thirsting for the presence of God. Back in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 4, we have another account. As I said, there's many places in the Scriptures where the Bible talks about thirst and about water uh, and turns it into what our soul needs as opposed to our bodies. And this is one of them. This is the story of the Samaritan and Jesus at the well, the Samaritan woman. And I'm going to read these verses, verses 4, 1 through 15, and talk about them just a little bit. So John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15 say this. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was baptizing, that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, his disciples were, he left Judea and went again, went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you do not have anything to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give 
shall never thirst. But the water that I give will give, that I will give him, will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. So the Samaritan woman approaches him at the well, and they both wanted water. It said he was weary, and he sat down. He was thirsty. But he could give her real, living water. He could give her a well of water, as it says, that would be springing up inside her, that she would never thirst again. Unfortunately, up until this point, she still thinks he's just talking about water. She doesn't get that he's talking about spiritual water. The next point under thirst has to do with current thirst. Do we have thirst today? Have the events around you left you thirsty for God? How are we satisfying that thirst? Are we left unsatisfied? You know, with all the circumstances going on in the world today, today should be creating in us a thirst for God. Whether we already believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior or not, a thirst should be being created in us with everything that's happening. How should we satisfy that thirst? Jesus said in verse 37, Come to me. The ultimate and only answer comes in one person. Just like it did at the Feast of Booths, come to me. Just like it did at the well, I can give you water. And that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer to our thirst. Which moves us to point number two. Jesus says in our passage, Come to me and drink. He who believes in me. He's claiming really here to be the Savior. He is their answer And you have to wonder what they're thinking. Is he? Why would he say that? What did he do or would he do for them? Who is this man that would say, come to me if you are thirsty? Let's look at a few verses that tell us a little bit about who Jesus Christ is. John 6.35 John 6.35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. Why is it him? How can he say these things? Jesus says also in John 14.6, He said unto them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He 
He's claiming to be the one. Back in Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. In 1 John 5.20, we get a little bit more detail as to who Jesus is. 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come. He has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. What qualifies him to say, come to me, you who are thirsty? He's the Son of God that was sent to earth. He's the Son of God who left the Father and became a man. He lived a sinless life and had a sacrificial death for our sins. He's the Son of God, the true God, who lived a sinful life and died a sacrificial death for us. John chapter 19, 17 through 19 say this. It's the description of the crucifixion, what would eventually happen to Jesus. They took Jesus therefore and went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him with him, two other men on either side and Jesus in between. Pilate wrote an encryption and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. He was the son of God who came and lived a sinless life and died a sacrificial death for us on the cross. The story doesn't end there. Mark 6.16 says, And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. They're looking for him in the grave where he was put. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they had laid him. The Son of God came and lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death for us, and was risen from the dead. Romans 8.34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And that's where Christ is today, at the right hand of God. The Son of God came and lived a sinless life and died in our place to pay for our sins, a sacrificial death. And that is why he can say, come to me. He was raised from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Come to me, you who are thirsty.
Let's look at the Spirit and a little commentary that John actually gives us right in the middle of his own gospel. Those verses again, 37, 38, and 39 say this. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of, the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Isaiah 44.3 speaks of the Spirit, and it says, I will give water to the thirsty land and make streams flow on dry ground. <clears throat> Excuse me, ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your children and my blessing on your descendants. says, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not a small golden pitcher of water that you'll be handed. Not gallons of water, not jugs, not cisterns, not a pool, not even a pond, but rivers of living water is how the Spirit is poured out. Unending inside us the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The great thing about the Spirit of God and, and, and Jesus' sacrifice is it is for everyone. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. One Spirit unified at the foot of the cross. Are you thirsty as the scriptures describe? Are you thirsty as those would be in the temple that came to proclaim God's faithfulness at the feast and to think of the autumn rains that they needed and this dry, dusty walk? Are you thirsty as the scriptures describe? Do you believe Jesus is the way to satisfy that thirst? Are you already filled with the Spirit? With the overflowing Spirit of God? These are things we need to think about. For some of us, we may not know Jesus as Savior yet. Some may have just come to know Christ or have known Christ for many years. But no matter how long we have or even if we haven't, The answer to our thirst, the ultimate and only answer, as I said before, is Jesus Christ. Now we've looked at 37, 38, and 39. After 39, something really cool happens. Verse 40 is there. I want to read verse 40 through 44. And it helps us pull together what we talked about this morning. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So a division occurred among the crowd because of him. 
Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Verse 30 says, when they heard these words, so this is right after they heard Jesus stand up and say, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And in the crowd, they are disagreeing about who Jesus is. Some say he is a prophet. I think of that and they're saying he's probably a good man. He's a prophet. He tells us good things. But that's it. Others say he is Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. And a third group say, basically, he's just not the right guy for me. He doesn't meet my expectations. It's not what I've been told. It's not what I expected him to look like. They needed to decide who he was. We need to decide for ourselves who we believe Jesus Christ to be. It doesn't change who Jesus Christ is. He's the Savior of the world. But it changes the direction of our lives and the direction of our eternity. Is he just a good man? A prophet? That's it? Is he not what you expected? Does he not meet your expectations? and just walk away? Or is he the Christ? Is he the Savior of your soul? Revelation 22 says, Come whoever is thirsty and accept the water of life as a gift. Whoever wants it. And the ultimate and only answer is Jesus Christ. Revelation 7, 6 says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, when Christ is on the throne. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you, Lord, that he came and lived a sinless life, Lord. Died for our sins, Lord, and is risen from the dead and sits with you now in eternity. Father, we thank you for creating in us thirst for you. Though times that thirst can be painful, and seem to last way too long. But Lord, we know you create this thirst in our lives in different places and different ways so that we will be drawn to you and to your Son, the ultimate and only answer, Jesus Christ. Father, help us this day to see past everything else and to see your Son seated on the throne, Lord. Draw us to you, and we thank you for this time. In Christ's name, amen.